Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, dear friends and very distinguished listeners. Navigate with ID, such an honor and privilege to be here. As always, I'm grateful to God for the gift of life. And what else can I say? Friends, today is an amazing day. Amazing because to God alone be the glory. About this time last year, yours truly was under a very, very serious ailment. And um, it wasn't anything that one could ever you know, imagine would have happened. But I just want to thank God and take this as my testimonial of thanks that I'm alive. I don't know how, but for some reason, I picked up a very bad infection, um, sepsis as it were. This is really talking about, um, for those of you that would know what sepsis can be, um, from food or whatever, in 24 hours, I found myself in an ICU exactly one year ago. So when I come out to tell you I'm grateful to God for the gift of life, I am so grateful because I could have easily been history. But thank God today, I'm able to come out and say, thank you, Lord, for that which you have done for me over a year ago. As we've been looking at a very important topic, and that has to do with crowning and looking at leadership, but specifically, we've been talking about what high-performing leaders actually do. In this whole process and conversation, we started looking at the four-step processes or the four-step process skills that are required and each of the stages that we need to look through. Bearing in mind that we are looking at three levels of leadership, the non-leadership, the transactional leadership, and the transformational leadership. But in putting this together, like in the last episode, I did, of necessity, share with you details of the visioning stage. And I promise that we will delve into all the four stages, looking at the specific skills that come with every stage. This is the mobilizing stage. And I want you to understand that under this stage, there are three major skills that are required. I think four, actually, which are required within the mobilizing stage. Why am I saying this? The mobilizing stage comes before the developing one. Developing means participation. But there is something that you and I need to bear in mind, and that is there is example after example of groups with new leaders or those reformed or reorganized through change, not altering the way they operate and having to diffuse and have their goals vary. When you look at an area within leadership, there is that space where some people tend to create what I call the mother approach. They tend to look at it in a lens that gives them an overview of the ability of some others, but they are not able to engage them into some level of high participation, even as they need that for the development. Now, I want to say this, and it's with 
every sense of duty, like motherhood and apple pie. Participation is regarded as a good thing. It is. But in terms of its effectiveness, the ground has to be prepared first. Have you noticed that everybody talks about mobilization? Let's mobilize. Let's do this. Let's do that. I'm not talking about heavy-handedness or repressive leadership. I'm talking about having a clear and present objective-led dimension. Whenever you look at people sit within scattered objectives, you'll find that talents and resources will not be put against a certain agenda. When you sit within the old method of the command and control system, you find people going in different dimensions until they hear that voice. That voice becomes a voice of reason to say, this is the way to go. But then, on the contrary, what we are looking at is something that is light but firm and very enabling. This approach is such that high expectations of people's capability to contribute excellently, coupled with the support they require, will enable them to achieve greater and better than what they ever imagined as their own contribution. What am I really saying and what am I talking about? When I talk about the mobilizing stage from a liberating leadership standpoint, it is about establishing the future direction. It's about the standards that are required. It's about the way of operating and aligning and connecting people to the vision so they become committed to it. Today, in different facets, different organizations, in different places, you find people trying to mobilize or rally people around a certain agenda. Difficult as it may look, some people may really struggle while some have it with ease. Therein lies the element of the skills that we'll be looking at that help promote the ability to drive mobilizing in an established format. Sometimes it may involve breaking present habits. It is very different from everyone being loosely bound together, but doing their own thing. Say, what are you doing? I'm doing my own thing. I'm, I don't believe in what they're doing. But they are walking to their own agendas. The mobilizing stage is rather like the experiment with high-on filings we perhaps experienced when we were in school, when we had to do elementary physics in those days, when you look at the direction of the particles being random until a magnet was drawn over them and they all pointed in the same direction, creating their own magnetic pool. That is what the mobilizing stage is about. And I want you to picture a magnet or just picture some pins some particles just spread out and they're all scattered in varied dimensions until a force is brought, a magnet. Everybody moves to where the magnet is. In this mobilizing stage, the leader gets people on side, wanting to improve, taking increased ownership and responsibility for what they do, doing what is right within the context of the vision. And this is one big stage that Nigerians need. There are future leaders that are meant to come in to political governance from 2023.
Not just that, Nigerians need captains of industry, entrepreneurs. They need fathers, they need mothers to come to the party and the table with this clear dimension of mobilizing so that ownership and responsibility will be an absolute way of life within the followership. They will always see that doing what is right is what is expected within the context of the vision that has been set. Whether it's a small business, whether it's a medium-scale business, whether it's a huge business, whether it's a public office, whatever place you are in and you need to rally the troops on one common track and agenda, you are the magnet, you are the pool. The force field will bring all the particles together, but it requires four specific skills. And I want to go into each of these. Hopefully, by the time we're going through this program, we'll close on all four. And permit me to title each one like we have within our liberating leadership context as M1. What is the first major underlying skill within the mobilizing stage? It's about providing clarity and explicitness. What does it mean? It means specifying in clear, unambiguous behavioral terms what is required for a successful operation and what will be required or regarded as poor performance. Do you know that today, if you check the spirit and the letter of many organizations, a lot of managers that are managing people and resources do not have the skill of clarity and explicitness. And so what you find happen is that there is a lot of waste, there's a lot of time wasted, there's a lot of back and forth, and all because the man or woman that has that responsibility was not clear or was never clear in the first place. So clarity and explicitness is the first major skill that is required in the mobilizing stage. A skill as explicitness is much required. Why? Because it is one skill that we take for granted. Why? Often, the receiver has to guess what is required from him or her. Messages are fuzzy and confused. What makes for successful performance is very unclear. If you check with most people, they will tell you, my boss said I should do X, Y, Z. When they go about doing it, some other person comes and says, you're doing the wrong thing. Or the boss comes back and really hammers on them saying, you are not doing what I asked you to do. But when you check it, was the boss clear? Was he explicit? The answer may be no. The answer could also be, a function of the receiver being able to listen appropriately and listen well. So there are all factors that come in that game. But here we are talking about the leader. Yes, there's a space for the developer, but a lot of leaders walk through this pathway making sure that their messages are not fuzzy, they're not confusing, able to clearly define what successful performances. But I also want to tell you that when you don't have that, when it is unclear, 
and then the message is clouded by a veneer of supposed politeness and courtesy, you will find that being explicit is particularly important in situations of change or where changes in behavior are required. What do you get? If care is not taken, you get a lot of patronage. What does it mean to be patronizing? You find it happen in a lot of places. People start getting into patronizing. Why do you patronize people? You patronize because, A, you do not even have a clear understanding what you need to do. And so you're telling them that they are the best things that happen since sliced bread. The receiver receives it and tells you you are the best boss ever. And when you come in, they're all hailing you. But when they check the performance, it's nothing to write them about. The question is, who is fooling who? Explicitness is very helpful and empowering because it enables individuals to succeed, especially when it is carried out well and appropriately. Why do I say this? Imagine for a second that you have the soldiers that are going to war. I love watching war movies, you will never see the captain or the commander of the troops give distorted or discordant information. There is always a 2IC, just in case if anything happens to the boss, the captain, the commander, there's a second in command and woe betide the platoon if they get hit by everyone, by the enemy. What happens? You will always find that one lone ranger that is alive will do everything to ensure that he communicates with the headquarters on what they need to do and the position. Explicitness. When you watch movies, when you watch movies, you'll find that whether even they are on an assignment or whatever they are doing, they need to get back to base. The man carrying the equipment is a very important personality. Everybody knows. Because the signal needs to be given, not just where they are, but if they need backup. How many times have you found that you're sending your ward or your child or your nanny or even your domestic servants, could be your driver, on an errand? And you, Mr. Boss or Mrs. Boss or Ms. Boss, you're not explicit. The guy just runs away with what he thought he heard. And when he comes back with something else, there's war. It tells you it is one skill you and I need. If we want to become that magnet that will pull all the particles together. So you have a cook, you have a steward, you have a driver, you have colleagues, and most of the time, all of them are useless. It's not possible. They are human beings. They can't be. Have you checked yourself? If you're communicating right, and that's exactly where we are as a people. We need to come back holistically. Why am I spending this time? Because I want you to understand that if you are going to join other Nigerians to vote in 2023, we must look for leaders that are explicit, who are very clear, who are not ambiguous. They know what they are saying. And the behaviors that follow suit tell us that they are ready to manage talents and resources to garner everyone with a sense of ownership and responsibility so that Nigerians can do what is right within the context 
of the vision. What is the second skill that is required under the mobilizing stage? I'll classify this as M2. It's about maintaining own assertiveness. This is big. What does it mean? It means applying appropriately their underlying skills and attitudes of assertiveness because it is necessary for being explicit and giving feedback. Do you know that many times when people find you being assertive, they tell you or call you all kinds of names? People mistake assertiveness for aggression. They tell you someone is aggressive simply because he's attitude of being assertive by maintaining that space where he's able to tell you in split and explicit terms what it is, they are easily taken and given the feedback as if they are aggressive. You must note that for someone who is sitting at the place of assertion also maintains consistency of standards and approach. They exert strong leadership when necessary just to prevent the team from going in different directions. It is the power of assertion that makes your team come together. It's part of that magnet, the pool, the feel, where you are able to speak and at the same time, you have the display and attitude called assertiveness that brings it to bear. Assertiveness is not aggression and certainly not passiveness. Too many people are passive. Nobody wants to rock the boat. Oh, I know I made the toxin a meal. Oh, no, something is wrong. You can see it. But nobody says, we are heading for doom here. They say, it's not my business. Why do we do that? Why is it a culture that has pervaded our environment? And yet, if there is just one man or one woman who is assertive, Everybody turns around to call him or her names. As worse as it can be, they can call him or her a snitch. But it's not a snitch because it's not coming to tell. It's not about telling. But it's able to put forward a position. Whereas in another setting, you find someone that is able to come out, articulate everything he wants to do and push that agenda, push the envelope. They say it's too aggressive. That is not assertiveness. What assertiveness means is respecting both your rights and those of the other person. You can't bully people and be assertive. You cannot take people for granted. Staying in and operating from the, you remember, I am okay, you are okay position, and stating clearly and directly what you require without putting the other person down. Why do you put people down? When you are in the habit of putting people down, it shows clearly that you are not assertive. You cannot afford to because you need to respect their rights and you also need to operate from a position of, I am okay, you are okay. That is what drives consistency and commitment. Assertiveness is particularly important during the early stages of the process and also for maintaining direction and standards. We need leaders in our country. Nigeria is going through very tough times. Not only Nigeria, friends. I just came back from our West African sister company, uh, country, I beg your pardon. 
and you can see the same spirit that is happening amongst our sister countries just around the corner. The same thing. They're having issues with their economy. They're having issues with devaluation. They're having issues with Forex. The people are standing up. The other day, the president came out to give a speech some days back and all hell went loose. There was nothing they did not call him or say because the people are angry. But in the middle of that, you ask them a simple question. What are you doing in your own little circle to make this country better? Everybody wants to raise a flag. It's about me. But nobody is ready to sacrifice or stand out and do what is right because they don't want to take responsibility. I'm not saying that things are not going, doing well because we are not taking responsibility. I'm saying that time has come. When you see what is wrong in a place, you need to step in and be the leader and say, this is not going in the right direction. I need to be okay. You need to be okay, friends. Let us do what is right. And what is wrong will leave us alone. That is the spirit. Why? It's part of that mobilizing stage. Nigerians need to mobilize around an agenda. It is sickening when you sit and take a very detached point of view and you see the goings-on within our economy. Who would ever have believed that our currency will be inching close to a thousand to make an exchange for another foreign currency? But it's something that you imagine. I was sitting with a very senior colleague of mine, an ex-colleague from the Coca-Cola company, yesterday when we, we had some time together. And we're looking at the days we used to put on our business plans. When he comes to talk about Equatorial Africa and we're looking at going to present in Atlanta and we're talking about Africa, you know, friends, I'm talking about 18 years ago, 18, 20 years ago, going to share the business plans for our region. And region here, I'm speaking about West Africa and the continent Africa. When we sit and we have these meetings, global meetings, and it's time for Nigeria, Ghana, and the other West African countries that we are presenting. Forex was always an issue. Exchange rate was always an issue. And I will shock you. When I sat with Philippe Aivo, who was a country director for Equatorial Africa then, and we were all colleagues um, within the Coca-Cola company, we sat last night or you know, while in Accra, and I said to him, do you remember what used to happen? the exchange of the CD to the dollar, he would come at the presentation, it was 1.1, 1.3, and we will start looking at the dimensions. I said, today it's about 14, 13, 14. 14 CDs to the dollar. Look at Nigeria, over 800. The pound is getting closer to 1,000. And yet, we are having campaigns running. Nobody is talking about how are they going to fix it. The Nigerians are who winked again. They are busy with the buzz. Oh, I'm, this is doing that. This is what he has said. Why can't somebody stand up with a measure of assertiveness? We leave that to the journalists. We leave it to the journalists to be able to interview them and ask questions. If you go to ask questions, they never give you answers, but the attack dogs will come. Why are we like that? Do we think the horizon is going to change? It won't change. When we are looking at 
the skills that are required that high-performing leaders will do. You require, in the mobilizing stage, you need to be explicit. You need to be clear how many of those that want positions in government next year to be elected are clear and are explicit. You can count. Can you hear them? Can you see the future they are creating? Are they assertive? Are they commonly putting Nigeria at the centerpiece or it's about what they want to come and do and sit in their position? We cannot be bewitched again, friends. We were back on the second half as we look at the other two skills that are required, especially in this mobilizing stage. Because you and I need to rise and to do what is right. What is wrong will leave us alone. Don't go away. We need to pay some bills. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, dear friends. It's uh, Navigate with ID. By the way, I should let you know that this is a business school on radio. I think I got carried away opening with my personal stuff, but someone may just tune in and say, what's this all about? It's a business school on radio. We've gotten into the mood and the mode looking at leadership. And within that context, we are dimensionalizing leadership. And here we are trying to understand the four-step process in what it takes for high-performing leaders and what they do. And so we've looked at the first, which was a visioning stage in the previous edition. And today we are looking at the mobilizing stage and the attendant skills that are required. We've in the course of the first half, talked about M1, which is about providing clarity and explicitness, that that is a key skill and a core one. The second one, which we termed and tagged as M2, maintaining one's assertiveness. And we said that assertiveness is not aggression and certainly not passiveness. It means respecting both your rights and those of the other persons staying in and operating from I am okay, you are okay position and stating clearly and directly what you require without putting the other person down. So moving swiftly, we will look at the third skill under the mobilizing stage. And that has to do with giving strong and clear feedback. Feedback feedback. Giving feedback, both positive and negative, clearly and continuously to reinforce positive results and to correct the negative ones in order to help the person to improve rapidly. You know, when you look at someone, just imagine for a second that you are working in an organization and in that organization, you narrow that down There are different departments or units. And within the departments and units, you have specific roles and you have specific people manning those roles. Now, if one person in a role does not leave the path, the entire chain will be challenged because of the weak spot. You know, they always talk about the weak link in the chain. That's exactly what happens within corporations. That you find one person is not tanking, is not taking on what he or she should be doing well. That role is not being exhausted within the ambits of what he should deliver. 
others will begin to suffer it. But when the team or the leader lacks assertiveness, then the leader kicks into a place of being passive and say, you know, um, let's try and bring ourselves together. At that mobilizing stage, there are like particles all over the place. Whereas at this point, you need to be a magnet to pull everybody together. One of the things that will help in pulling everybody together is that sense of a strong and clear feedback. People don't like feedback. Many people cannot take what they normally would give. But I want you to understand that feedback is only so great because if you desire continuous improvement, you must carry and wear the government of feedback, whether positive or negative. As much as possible, it is better to stay on a continuous track where you reinforce positive results and correct the negative ones. It can only happen through feedback. So in any setting where you find that the organization is not delivering according to the promise or the rules or the expectation, one thing that is missing and could be missing is if the leadership and indeed those in authority, whether managers, are not giving the appropriate feedback. When that happens, it hampers on the mobilization stage. During the mobilizing stage, strong feedback is given clearly and continually to reinforce positive results, like I said, and help people improve rapidly. So if you are a person in a team and you are the weak link and your colleague walks up to you and says, oh boy, this, this, this happened. We shouldn't do this, this. This is the way you should do it. You must, rather than taking it personal, see it as a collective for the total. It's for the group. Sometimes you need to take something for the group. But also, speaking to your colleague, that your colleague needs to be very clear and explicit. That person communicating to you must focus on it. That is the issue and not your person. Because many times when we are given feedback, we attack personalities. It is not about the personality. Don't attack the core. Talk about the issue. What is the issue at stake? Deal with the issue, which is the it, the IT, not the person. And so people tend to take it personal. When they take it personal, they close up. And when they close up, what happens? They don't do. And when they don't do what they are supposed to do, no results. And when there's no results, there's a consequence. The consequence could be grave. Everybody suffers because of one man, two, three, or one unit, whatever, simply because the feedback was not taken in. Now, what are those times that feedback is required to drive mobilization? Let's go back to a very interesting unit that makes up everything about the nation, and that's the family. Do you know that it is the strong and clear feedback that our parents have given us that have helped some of us to shape our lives and stay where we are? How do they know? Our parents give us feedback 
because of they watch they are watchmen watch women they are they are like watchmen it is your behavior appropriate or inappropriate behavior once it is seen parents moving our time i mean my father he doesn't need to come around your room to know that you are not studying he doesn't need to look at your report card all he needs to do is to ask one question and one question will be what did you study today and if you tell him this is what you were taught today he will say to you give me a quick summary of what you were taught today and when you begin to stammer my father will say either of two things you were not in the class or you were in the class sleeping or you were chewing gum he said because when you are chewing every juice in it is getting into your brain and you are not cycling it well and he will then look at you and tell you by the time you come back the next day he will not have to ask you that question again you know what he'll do my father will come back early from work you are meant to get home at the very latest having done lesson and all that you should be home by 3 pm i mean for example that day my father will be home by 2 an hour before and he will wait once it is 3 and you are not in he will keep quiet he won't say anything the following week he will come back a lot earlier he will not say anything he will do it the third time he's not going to speak to anybody about it he won't ask you you will think that you are living large oh you've come in and typically when we come in like that we come in through the back door you know those houses in sulere we used to have there'll always be the kitchen that's the entry point and also there's the living room so you either come in through one of those places but most times we go through the kitchen and then you pass and get into your room and now pretend as if you you have been in since you have been reading it will keep quiet then one day one day one day like they say monkey go go market you no go return my father would have been tracking your behavior he will see he will learn then he will then go forward and ask your lesson teacher or the teacher how is my son doing or you'll ask my mom to find out x y z from the teacher and whilst she comes back and says the teacher says everything is okay he will know that the mom is trying to cover for the son he will go himself and when he gets there he will tell the teacher he has observed that x y z has been happening you see all of those observations he will lay it down and then the feedback you will get is not verbal nakin he will straighten and reset everything that has been running in your head that is running well you know i'm not saying that this generation that is being pampered of course a good book says when you spare the rod you spoil the child many people are not getting good resets one reset we are getting consistently was the fear of the cane six strokes at baptist academy when you are late sclef feedback they want to mobilize mobilizing stage they want all of us to be at the assembly and once it's 7 o'clock you are meant to be coming through by 5 minutes to 7 they should have seen you and you should be on the line the prefect stand there the next thing 
you come there, you are all latecomers, you all kneel down, straight, you are getting into duties. Either this one's wash toilet or they cut grass. All of that were ways of giving you feedback because of inappropriate behavior. All because of what? Mobilizing. But today, we wonder why people are so indisciplined because there are no consequences. And the consequences are coming because people are not taking feedback to heart. The principle is to catch people doing something right. So in reinforcing that behavior, you need to do, there's a reward system. And that is what is very critical, friends. So the third skill that every one of us requires to be able to drive that mobilizing and that comes true for high-performing leaders is the ability to give strong and clear feedback. When you are not able to do that, you are creating a lacuna. There's a weak link. And I'm talking about not just the major changes that are spotted, but there are some small important ones. If not reinforced, will cumulatively make a major difference. And you begin to ask yourself, how did we get here? This is more or less the kind of question we ask ourselves as Nigerians. How did we get here? If you call someone your neighbor and tell your neighbor, sir, this and this is coming from your compound, you will get upset. Rather than fix it, you say, eh? so what do you want me to do? We don't rally the troops. We can't rally ourselves together. Communal life has faded because everybody is standing on his own or our own. That's why we cannot have reasonable conversations because people do not like feedback. The fourth skill under the mobilizer stage is what I call resiliently retaining momentum and direction. That's M4. What does it mean? It means learning rapidly from events and experiences. It talks about being flexible in retaining overall vision, not thrown off course by setbacks and difficulties. It means keeping and resiliently pursuing a clear sense of direction. Do you know that in mobilizing, you need to learn on the go and it has to be rapid. You need to be flexible and it has to be on the go. You cannot afford to stand in the place of being sorrowful because there's a setback. No, you need to be resilient. Situations can be both rewarding and sometimes frustrating. So when you look at it as a leader and you're mobilizing your troops and you're going, situations can come that would make everyone scatter. And when, it's, when that happens, it's a setback. What they need at that point is you, the magnet, the leader. That leader does not necessarily have to be the commander. One amongst you can take that role and that position, rally the troops and say, guys, despite this setback, let us move. And that's why I believe that this country will be changed and it will be saved and it's become great again. Many of us need to just start doing what is right and what is wrong will leave us alone. Starting from ensuring that we elect the right people. I said it on the last program. I don't care whichever party, but we must look through all the candidates. Don't let people cow you under this party structure. They'll tell you, oh, this party does not have structure. That one, 
with all the structures they've had. Why are we been in the mess? Those have had structure. But rather than have proper structure, they have infrastructure. Like my father in the faith would call it. Infrastructure. There are all kinds of infighting. A house divided against itself cannot stand. What is all this about party and party and party? You see a good guy go to a party that is not anywhere. Because the political process says you must belong to a party and the guy is the best fit for the job, you leave him alone because he doesn't have structure. You that you have structure, you have a brain, why do you go after someone that does not even have anything that will rouse you with what? I read something the other day and I shared it with some of my friends. I read it. I wish I had it. I'm still going to read it on this program. Someday, it made so much sense. It was a satire. Fantastic one. You know, in summary, it just talked about a Robin Hood, a thief, a pickpocket. The satire that this person wrote, I salute him or her, whoever wrote this anonymous piece. He talked about a situation where people were jostling to get into a bus and a pickpocket picked the pocket of one of the passengers. And this guy got into the bus when it was time to pay and the conductor said, sir, where is your money? And he couldn't find his wallet. He couldn't find the money. And the conductor looked at him and said, you, you are so well-dressed. That's a setback. He said, you are so well-dressed and yet you cannot afford to pay for your transport. And he rained all kinds of abuses on him. Then the pickpocket then offered to pay. And the pickpocket offered to pay so the man would not be embarrassed. Everyone sitting there did not know that the pickpocket was the one that stole the money, but the pickpocket knew. Yet he paid the, the conductor, the fare for the man who he picked his pocket. And the man was now blessing him and praying for him. And everybody turned around and saying, such a good man. Oh, thank you. You are a good man. God bless you. And the man whose pocket was picked blessed him from his heart. And they all got down. And then this satire, this Bureland author said, that is the story of Nigeria and Nigerians. That is the story of the politicians and the citizens. These guys come and they steal us dry. Our common patrimony, they take them away. They set us back so badly. And then they turn around and come and give us money for transport, all in, the, in whatever way. For those that will collect stomach infrastructure, and they'll come around every four years. They pick your pockets four years, and then they come back again and give it to you, all in the form of, and you're around, nothing is happening. Then people are doing million march. Superfluity of nothingness. They are not leaders. Leaders don't act that way. Sincere leaders retain momentum and direction, and that's why you must wake up from this slumber. You must learn rapidly from events and experiences. If we don't learn from all the events and experiences that have been happening to us with the political class, then we are doomed. Because they will keep picking our pockets. When they finish, they will now pay the transport and we'll be the ones blessing them. Oh, Baba Miloki, Baba Mi, hey, hey, hey. Situations can be both rewarding and sometimes frustrating, where progress can be slow and then quick, where individuals can improve and then regress. God forbid that we'll regress. It requires resilience to keep going. Nigerians have to get up, shake up this toga, and become resilient. 
We must retain a direction where we want to win our country back. We want to win your business back and your overall vision. Listen, if you're working for a company and you cannot do anything, the least you can do is to resign. After you find another job or you jackpot, like many of you are doing now, when you jackpot and you get across the other side and you have to do that you are naturally lazy, you now jackpot and go to a place where people are treated by the clockwork. You clock in, clock out. And when you come, you say, ah, there was this one. There's nothing about, there's no light. There's nothing about, there's no water. There's nothing about traffic. There's nothing. Everything is timed, precision. You know you need to get to your office. They can tell you 45 minutes walk. If you walk, it's 45 minutes. If you drive, it's 30 minutes. If you go by a train, it is 15 minutes. You, Mr. Lazy Bones, you get there, you start sleeping and snoring like you do in Nigeria, and you arrive late, first time, second time, third time, you will have a reverse engineer. They will send you back home. It's because you lack the skill of resiliently retaining momentum and direction. But if you do not allow these things hold you and not be thrown off course by setbacks and difficulties, if you are able to retain a strong vision and a sense of mission, you'll be able to affect those that are following you. You'll be able to lead others. And ultimately, it will keep you on track to make progress. That's where we have to make progress as a people, as it will be about you maintaining your own assertive capacity. Friends, there's just but one more skill that I inadvertently was going to miss. And it's the M5 called the ability or the skill that associates with diagnosing performance issues accurately. One major bane of mobilizing, the mobilizing stage, when people cannot assess or diagnose performance issues accurately. When you are able to accurately diagnose the root cause of an individual's performance or the issue at stake, it helps in you identifying the issue in specific behavioral terms, the underlying reasons, and then deciding on a course of effective action to bring about the changes necessary. This is what our country needs. This is what our continent, Africa, needs. Time has come when Africa should look at itself and say, enough is enough. These leaders, they keep borrowing. Africa is borrowing. They tell you, oh, it's good to borrow. There's nothing. How can you borrow to pay salaries? How can you borrow to eat? When can we change that whole dial? Borrow this money, buy off all these other people. You go to other countries, the Western countries and whether it's the Arab nations or whatever, they bring out the very best, including your people. They are bringing your best, the best labor anywhere in the world to come and work for them to retain what they have. But they come, they are talking about investors. Who comes? PE, not primary education. No, private equity. Who are these private equity firms? Someone floats and brings in some millions of dollars and then goes out, raises the funds, and they come into your country, they come into the continent, and they buy off a particular entity. And when they go, they will now give peanuts to the owners. They will take whatever they are taking, they'll take them out. And then they'll go to their own city, their own country, 
create labor, create jobs, create employment, make their cities look nice, then they'll bring them back and they'll pay you stipend. But the stipend may come in a form and manner you say, oh, we are earning from this, not knowing that you are in slavery. You are not developing your people. You are not developing your land. You are not providing jobs for the youths. They are restless because we cannot diagnose our performance issues accurately. Leaders have failed us. The economies of Africa are failing because the supposed leaders are diagnosed are not diagnosing performance issues accurately. The case in point is Nigeria. Case in point is Ghana. Case in point is Liberia. You can go on and on. Just look around you and the quality of leaders that are going around. What is happening to their nations? They are heavily borrowed. Where is the money coming from? Where? You look at it again. Whether it's IMF, whether it's the World Bank. And when it comes to taking on corporations, they call PE. When you trace it, these private equity firms are where? Where do you get these millions of dollars? They come in, they ship in. Buy out that entity. For every dollar, they give you 10 cents. And we smile away sheepishly. And what are they doing? Your youths are restless. There is no job. Friends, the time has come. Let us start asking questions. We are the mobilizing stage where we need leaders that can diagnose performance issues accurately so that the effective course of action will be done and we can see change. When you don't see these things happen, then you know that we are just on its true. We are not ready to take on what is coming at us. Friends, well, time is of essence. We'll have to stop at this point. By the grace of God, in the next edition, we'll go into the third process, which is about the developing stage. Don't miss this bit. And make sure you tune in every Tuesday and every Thursday by 3 o'clock as we go through the business school on radio. Yours truly here, by the grace of God, we'll be here to share and also to learn together. God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.